clubhouse. You know the thing about suicide, you... You don't just kill yourself. You kill every memory of you. This will be all everyone remembers, Jamie. Every second you spin on this earth will be reduced to how you chose to leave it. No one will mourn your loss, son, because this isn't losing your life. This is quitting it. This is Sheila. And welcome to Pod Clubhouse coverage of Yellowstone Season 2. Today we're talking about Episode 7, which is titled Resurrection Day. Does this title mean anything to you in terms of the episode? Before we go into any of the <gasps> moments from the episode. Yeah, I was going to ask the same question. Like, I don't know where this title fits in. I mean, the Duttons are Christian. We, we know this. Mm-hmm. Not maybe card-carrying, practicing members, maybe taking a little more of a liberal interpretation of some of the um, (laughs) commandments there. But like, for me, my understanding of like, you know, Resurrection Day is like Easter Sunday. It's it's a celebrated day. Yeah. Being enlightened and fulfilling prophecies and things like that. But yeah, like also of celebration. So God, this is like the third podcast in a row that my like Catholic school upbringing has really come into the (laughs) forefront. Um, You know, the only like celebratory moment in this episode really was like Monica and Casey for me. They're they're reuniting. The only thing I thought it could apply to is Jamie because Resurrection Day is like it's a new birth, you know, it's like a new start. That's the only thing I could come up with. That does work, actually. But like he was so little focus of the episode that it's 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 a tall tale to kind of I didn't equate that with him initially. Right. Exactly. Sometimes I, I yeah, these titles are a little bit puzzling. But no, that makes sense for Jamie because he's getting like a rebirth here. But in season three, they were stating the title in each episode in the dialogue, correct? Right, because we were joking around like, oh, drink, they said the title. (laughs) Right. So it's funny that they started doing that in season three, but season two seems a little... It's more obscure. Man, I watched this episode at least three times. Oh, same. I mean, it is crazy packed with drama. Drama llama all over the place. (laughs) It's so bloody. This episode had so much. Well, between like what Rainwater experienced with his, his, you know, inner circle and, um, and obviously Beth. But how is it only the last episode that Jamie went full psycho on Sarah, the reporter? And, and now, and now this episode has happened. Yeah. Like they don't get a break. These people. No. like the next day (laughs) we've said that before like their life must be so stressful (laughs) they don't get a day off from the stress and the The anxiety yeah Yeah. 
literally. Oh my gosh. This is so much to talk about. It's like almost, you don't know where to start, but I think like you just said, since we left Jamie killing Sarah in the last episode that we should talk about Jamie. Yes. Cause he was kind of like a little nugget unto himself in this episode. Yeah. Oh gosh. So I have a question. So Beth in the very beginning with the conversation with Jamie, she says to him that, you know, he's only concerned with how the world sees him and never like a reflective moment. But does Beth ever contemplate what kind of woman that she is? She's, you know, she's firing these barbs at Jamie saying like, you know, what kind of man am I is a, is a question that never comes across his mind. But I, I mean, I know she doesn't care what anyone thinks about her, but does she self-reflect at all? I think that's where I have the issue with the way they treat Jamie is they're so hard on him for his behavior, but yet no one is behaving any better or more morally or, you know what I mean? Like, they are just as screwed up and I guess you could use the word evil as he is. So why are they so hard on him is sort of where I have this problem in their relationship. And all he's done is literally do exactly what John, for the most part, has asked of him. Right. Obviously, when the, the stuff with the attorney general came down, he went his own path. But I mean, from what we've seen this season and last season, he's really towed the company line and yet he still gets all of this hatred. Yeah. And it's just hard to reconcile. But yeah, this this question like the, about Beth and her own self-reflection, it just annoyed me because it's like you can fire whatever you want at him, but nobody dares ever bring that back to you. Yeah. And it's almost like she's able to like sidestep those landmines. And I just don't understand how she can reasonably say that to him without any kind of her own self-reflection. I think for her, it's the loyalty. Like she sees herself as completely loyal to the family and you know jamie did the tell-all and he's doing what everyone else thinks is best for him but when she mentioned the morality of it all i'm like well i mean what makes you guys any better than him why is it okay for you to do what you do but when jamie tries to do anything well i mean granted when jamie did something it did end up with somebody dead right but um i know she's not just talking about this one thing (laughs) yeah i mean she's she's just as so hateful of his whole existence and she just sees him as disgusting i'm like i don't really understand the full motivation behind that like why is it so bad and he just continues to take it from her which just right it just irritates me but now this is a third person who also tells him that he should have killed himself right Man, and and John, and now Beth, and I feel like the with it coming from Beth, that's it's the only one that it's going to carry any weight. Not that I think he's going to be able to do that, but we'll get to that. Yeah, I mean that's pretty brutal to say to someone, no matter who they are. Yeah, that's that was a really awful scene. It's like I, I just don't understand how she could be telling someone to kill themselves. Like that's just as evil as he is, I guess. And then he takes the shotgun from the cabinet and goes up on the hill and then what just sat there no i mean i think he was talking trying to talk himself into pulling the trigger i honestly don't think he was going to i feel like he he was serious about it and he got up on the hill and then i just don't think that he's a strong enough person to go through with it does that make sense yeah all along not like we've said this a lot he's not his own man he doesn't make a lot of affirmative decisions and i just don't think that that decision um was something that he could logically from his character standpoint pull out uh, like you know be able to pull together to, to actually do it 
But he always does what everyone tells him to do. And like you said, three people have told him to do it. I think it takes a strong person to be able to actually see it through, even though like that person's in pain or whatever else. But like to actually do it, like I think you have to have like some sort of a a backbone. And Yeah. We keep saying how spineless he is. I don't know. I don't know if he was going to do it. I'm wondering if the spot that Jamie went to had any significance because I mean, like, obviously this is a huge ranch Mm -hmm. and you know, John had the, the moment with Casey earlier in the episode where, you know, he went to the spot where Evelyn died. Did that spot mean anything? Jamie, like, how did they find him? I guess is, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, is like my question. I was like, it's the size of Rhode Island people. (laughs) Yeah. No, I don't, it didn't seem to have any significance. Like not that we've, been clued in on what did you think about what john said to jamie in how he got him to you know give up the shotgun and i still have an issue with every time john talks to jamie i just don't like it so i mean he told him to do it you know recently or whatever you should have jumped in the river yourself and now he's saying you can't do that is it only because it's selfish it just came across as so cold yes what he was saying to jamie like every second about it, what people remember of you on this earth will be reduced to how you chose to leave it is what he tells him not we're going to miss you we love yeah, you i love you please right. don't yeah you're yeah, my do family this. gosh i know it just this scene it just it's upsetting to me that they're so horrible to jamie yeah. and telling him to kill himself and now that he's mad at him because he's gonna do it like you can't do this it's selfish it's like basically calling him a coward like it's the worst you're giving up like it's the worst way to leave the world and no one's going to even remember you. Jeez. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it was pretty like terrible way to be like, hey, yeah, I don't want you to do this. I mean, I'm glad he talked him out of it, but I'm also confused by the fact, like, how did we get from this is basically a cowardly way to and selfish and you can't do this. I won't let you quit to you need more time on the ranch and I can give that to you. And he's moving into the bunkhouse. Like, wh- my question was, what? Is, why is that the fix? To Jamie's situation. Why is him working on the ranch? Like, what gets him to stand up and walk away with... I don't... I'm lost. I'm not really sure how moving him into the bunkhouse is going to help him in the long run. Maybe it just gives him a perspective of how the ranch... Maybe, like, it's like a reset button in John's mind. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I was joking around that, like, he's going to need to get jeans that fit. Remember last episode? (laughs) We were commenting about his, like... Shaquille O'Neal stolen jeans. He's going to need some Wranglers for sure. Yeah. The only part I liked about this conversation was John mentioning his grandfather, who always said, you can't fix a broken wagon wheel, but you can use the parts to make a new one. So that is the only line in that whole conversation that, to me, was significant enough to make Jamie change his mind and for John to be saying, like, we can still fix this. I don't, you know, let's... Let's work on it together. But I still don't understand how that translated into you just needed more time on the ranch. Yeah. (laughs) But I liked that line. I think it's really powerful to think about, too. Exactly. Definitely. I'm wondering how Jamie's going to fare or how long it's going to last until like the next crisis comes. And then John's like, I need my lawyer back. Well, this didn't fix anything. The Sarah's still dead and there's still going to be an investigation. And so like what is happening yeah, I'm I'm still so confused by this whole Sarah, you know, story arc because there's going to be questions about her death. I mean, like it's not going to add up. 
at some yeah. point. Yeah, I mean, Rip just said it's not going to go away. Christina knows. We saw that as well. Uh, yeah. His ex-girlfriend, right? And she's also in play. She sat for the interview and she knows what was said, too. So mm-hmm. I don't know. This is the, it just is, there's still so many questions swirling and less answers and him hiding out in the ranch, like rip style doesn't necessarily jive in a world. There's a trail. There's a trail of evidence. There's a trail of questions and a trail of people. My main question was like, how, how does this fix anything? We shall see. I mean, I guess so. I mean, I feel bad for these wranglers and these ranchers. I really do because this revolving door Right. You know, Dutton's moving in and out of the bunkhouse is just, it has to just be confusing. Walker's assessment of how this place is run from many episodes where he says, he's just like, I ain't doing this. Like, this is ridiculous. Who's the boss? Like, who's in charge? I don't know. Like, you know, he's confused. Is it John? Is it Casey? Is it Rip? Um, Because like in as many weeks, it's been all three of you. And I definitely wouldn't be asking those questions. No, because, you know, um, because now like Casey's moved in and out. Rip has moved in. Now Jamie's moving in. So like these guys, yeah, Jamie's a Dutton no matter what. So they're not going to treat him as one of the guys. Mm -hmm. And like, this is their, their living accommodations. Now they have to like watch out for like what they say about the boss. Yeah. They have to like basically live with the boss. Right. Essentially. Uh, I just love the faux pas that, you know, Jamie deals himself into the, uh, the poker game. It's the only like the, just the moments with Tate and this moment were the only like laugh worthy, um, (laughs) scenes where it's like, Hey, we're just working girls here. Don't roll up with your hundreds. Yeah. (laughs) Why do you think that he threw the hand? I I think that was just a way to like ingratiate himself. Like, you know, he already flashed like $300. Mm -hmm. He knew inherently that if he, you know, threw down a winning hand that that would not ingratiate himself to those guys whatsoever. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. But Rip uh, saw it. Yeah. I think it was wise of him not to win that hand. I think it would just be wise of him not to win any hand. Right. Just because, again, it comes back to like, yeah, you're the boss's son, essentially. Or mm-hmm. the boss's brother, depending on who we see as the boss. So it's it's a, it's an odd situation for them all to be in. And I also don't think that him winning that hand is going to help them want to help him. Right. I think that was just well played all along. Yeah, definitely. Anytime I see John, especially with Jamie, I'm left confused. But this brings us to John feeling sorry for Jamie or not. I don't know if that's pity or love or what. Doesn't seem like love. And then asking Beth to go easy on him. Yeah, it's like duty. Like, you're like, he's just going through motions with this guy, you know? So, yeah. So this conversation he has with Beth is is another head scratcher. So she mentioned something that, you know, when you asked me to stay and fight, like to fight everybody and, and Jamie is the one we have to fight the most. Mm-hmm. Is that really a valid statement given everything we've seen so far? Just this season alone. Forget last yeah. season, right? You've got Rainwater and Jenkins announcing their their joint venture. And then you have these Becks creating some sort of menacing trouble all over the place. Donnie's back in the fold with John after yeah. their estrangement, right? It just it's a it's a hard reach right now to think that he's the biggest one that they have to fight. I agree. But she's also again horrid and says, you know, oh, I do love my brother. He's like oh, the <laughs> other one. <laughs> and this and she says to him too, you know, she questions, she says, tell me that you love Jamie the way that you love me or Casey. Right. And so she's even, you know, understanding that there's a there's a different feeling when it comes to Jamie. Like, it's okay to, to like, 
really like shit on him like at every turn because yeah. everybody else does so you know and they're subconsciously taking their cue from john of course yeah like this is not the way to handle someone who's obviously suicidal and someone who's having a mental break yeah do you think that there's like an easier relationship developing between Casey and John now, like with the lengths that they've gone to kind of understand each other and with John's recent approach to trying to treat his children as family and not just business partners? I do. I think that we're seeing a little bit of John being, I can't even think of the word. I was going to say easier on Casey, but more loving or trying to connect. Yeah. I, I don't know if loving is the right word, right. but he's tr- because he's not a very warm person, No, but there's definitely like, he's trying to understand him a little bit better. And like, we see this in the beginning when they're having the ride and there's just like a little bit of a, just like a clearing of the air. It feels like a little bit. Yes. And even the conversation that John has with Beth later on about her drinking, it seemed like more of a normal, like father daughter kind of a conversation than we've seen in the past. So I yeah. feel like his, his approach is maybe yielding some dividends here. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. I do too. I think that he was, yeah, trying to connect with yeah. Casey. And then there was just the moment with like when he moved into the, the foreman's house, Lee's old house. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's amazing. Someone started chopping onions right in my living room at the moment when he mm-hmm. said, you know, that uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm not moving your, your, your shirt, son, just scoot them over. Yeah. Yeah, there was definitely some onion chopping going on in my living room. Oh, <laughs> I know. It's just like, so this episode, we got to see that John is a little bit human, right? So he's still acutely mourning the loss of his wife, which we saw in the very beginning. Yeah. You know, obviously the pain with Lee is still very new because, I mean, technically in the terms of the show, it's only a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to be serious. Um <laughs> That wasn't right. Well, because, I mean, the bombs go off with these duttons like every day, it seems. I know. They don't, they don't have time to recover. But no, I mean, in the scheme of things, it's probably under a year yeah. since he lost his son. So obviously that's very acute. And there's just been things that have gone on that John is now seeing what Lee was, I don't want to say valuable for, but, you know, that he could rely on Lee in a different way that he didn't have to explain things like the way he's had to explain it to like, say, Casey, for instance, who needs to yeah. learn everything from the ground up. So, yeah, so I, I just feel like this this episode was also a way to humanize John a little bit. And I feel like it was intentional for the setup with what happened with Beth later on, that we, yeah. need, we need to see that he's got some human emotions. Well, yeah, I mean, we've said before that we really only see that side of John with Tate. But this episode, we got to see a little bit of that connection that he's trying to get with his kids. My favorite part of the episode was John and Tate, for sure. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> Who knew Tate was such a comedian? I know. Well, like in terms of the past episodes, like this is the most Tate has said, right? I'm trying to think back. Like, well, the time they went and he fell in the river, that was and yeah, a lot of Tate. But this is so cute. And I love this scene with Tate and this. He wants to be a cowboy. <laughs> so cute. Is Tate going to still want to be a cowboy after he learns all the other things that they all have mm. to do? <laughs> It's not just Probably riding horses not. and feeding horses and moving cattle, you know? No, it's, of course uh, not. It's fighting everybody. This scene between them when he basically tells John, I need to talk to you. And, you know, Casey's like, do I need to be part of this? And it's like, <laughs> no, you got no money. <laughs> That's awesome. But I think it's also a proud moment for John because, like, you know, obviously he's doing all of this for his family. And if he's doing all of this for his family, then obviously 
Tate is the logical extension of this. So yeah. So this is a good thing for John because he sees that Tate is interested and and an opportunity to teach Tate firsthand. Yeah. You know about what it means to own a horse, and then obviously the larger extensions. Yeah. Well, this is like step one. Yes, he's interested, and we're going to get him a horse and teach him how to take care of it. So cute. Oh my God! Can I just tell you this is this is a confession moment here. When Casey is bringing Tate back to Monica's, and he's like, and if it's if it's red, I'm going to name him red. If he's blue, I'll name him blue. And if he's you know he's going through all the different types of horses, he goes, and he goes, son, please. Yes. I felt that in my bones. I felt that in my soul because my son does not stop talking from the minute he wakes up to the second he goes to sleep girl i got three of them doing that yes like parents out there rejoice you're not alone oh my gosh (laughs) and thinking like oh my god like there's so many times i'm just like telling my son i'm like you don't have to talk all the minutes to fill the air you just don't (laughs) i took my kids on a road trip yesterday to go fishing with my dad so they literally talked all day long and you have three, so they're going to cackle over each other. They do, and they get mad over who talks over each other. And so I said, at one point, we had just gotten in the car, and I said, guys, we have an hour and a half drive. We cannot talk the whole time. Please. We cannot do this. So they had their Kindle, Kindle games, and they were playing. And then when we turned on the road to my parents' house, my daughter goes, oh, thank goodness. She goes, mommy, I have been quiet the whole time. Like she knew where we were. She's like, oh, we're almost there. I can talk now. <laughs> it was so funny. How old is she? She's seven. <laughs> she was like, mommy. Oh gosh, thank goodness we're here because I have been quiet. <laughs> like it was physically paining her. Yes. Not <laughs> I was like, I didn't realize you were holding it in. It was so funny. Gosh, they talk a lot. And it's like that in the car with Tate. It was I was cackling like, oh my gosh. And it could be an Appaloosa and it could be a paint and it could be... <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, stop talking. Uh, Yeah. So like I I felt what Casey was feeling in my bones. Yes, for sure. How did Monica arrive at this conclusion? I honestly think it's kind of that conversation with um, Martin where he was saying, don't kill it before it dies. Like just like let the relationship run its course. If it's going to run out, it's going to run out. If not, like don't give yourself the pain before it's necessary, you know? It's like she's trying to kill it to protect herself from future pain, not because she didn't want to be with Casey. So I think it's that thought process of, I, I love what she said too, though, that like you're a part of my soul and I tried to get over it and I just can't. Right. And like, that's the part that I come back to when she had the conversation with Papa. Yeah. yeah. Papa Felix, when he's like, you were married in ceremony. Like, you know, you weren't just married in a court. You were joined in ceremony. He says, so, you know, you better figure this out because otherwise you're going to be miserable in this life and the afterlife. Mm-hmm. And I think the combination of those two conversations, she's just like, I, you know, I can't. I can't kill it to save myself. Yeah. Because ultimately, is she going to be saved? And then right. also, what is this doing to Tate? Right. For her to go f- like a full 180 that like Tate should live on the ranch because she's she's hung a lot of their problems on John. Yeah. Like I feel like is it like is this like a compromise on her part or is this like her wanting to just like explore a new life and give John the benefit of the doubt? I'm like there's so much swirling around that I'm just like I'm trying to nail down like what I'm feeling, what she's feeling. Mm-hmm. What do you think? 
That's a good point. I didn't think of that. That's why they pay me the big bucks. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. I sort of got the feeling that she was just ready to be a part of whatever it is that she's a part of. Like, just feel the feelings, deal with the problems, be in the relationship. I mean, that's a good point about the family issues, but... I felt like it was just a pure moment of her just wanting Casey back in her life, no matter what. And I feel like it, it might just be like accepting him for all the things that he is, including yeah. his father and, and his sister. Right. You know, because I'm also reminded of like Tate was like, and who are you? And Beth's like, do you want a cheese plate? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like he didn't know his aunt. So, yeah. So I'm just it's just going to be interesting to see if she's okay with living with the consequence of living near John and all of the sort of baggage that he brings with himself. Well, I mean, at this point, living, getting back with Casey is the ranch now right. because that's Casey's new life. So, I mean, I think she's got to at least give it a try. And did she think for one second that Casey wasn't going to take her back? No. Yeah. She's like, forgive me. I'm like, mm, is that really warranted? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think Casey was just like all his birthdays came at once in his reaction. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. Oh my gosh i loved their bedroom scene that was so awesome i was you like know, damn I, yeah that was that was intense and then also i was you know the the music i was like this the is the song we, we got introduced to casey musgraves before she was yes. like cool or hip or you know known to everybody else it was like we knew about her way back in 2019 <laughs> yeah i thought this was a really great song for their for them being reunited or reunification <laughs> yeah Whatever you want to call it. <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> yeah. I love that song. I don't, I hate to say, I don't super love Casey Musgraves. She's got songs that I like, but on the whole, uh, I'm, I'm picky and choosy. Yeah. I like the song a lot, but. That slow burn song. Yeah. That's, yeah. On, the, that's on the Spotify playlist, guys. If you guys yes. are, have not yet checked that out, it's called Yellowstone Tunes on Spotify. So I loved that scene. I loved the song. So glad that they back together. Yeah. Tate says they're going to make a baby. Yeah. Like, like, okay, baby. Actually, when I was watching that scene, when he said, like, you guys are going to make a baby, it gave me sort of like a weird prediction for like season four. Yeah. So we're not going to talk about that because technically season three hasn't happened in in the timeline. (laughs) Yes. This is like a very um, Austin Powers kind of timeline. Like it does, it doesn't really work, but you know, we're just going to go along with it. But yeah, I had that maybe as a potential like plot line for season four. That's true. So I guess we move on to like what the Becks were doing this. Okay. <laughs> what, my what gosh. What the Becks were doing this episode. They are super pissed that people aren't playing their game. Yeah. Like they're not playing well in the sandbox with others oh. here. This one upmanship that's going on. Like, you know, there's someone's going to do something and then they're going to retaliate. But I feel like they're doing all of the, they're on the offensive. Yes. And like, they're calling all the plays, but like nobody else is aware that there's a game, I feel. And now, now everyone knows that there's a game. Yeah. What is their end game here? We keep asking that question because I just don't get it. I think we said last time that they just want a piece of the pie. They want their cut of whatever's happening. But at one point he tells Beth, Malcolm Beck does, that he doesn't want a casino. So then I'm thinking back to Rainwater, that conversation he had with Rainwater. I thought he was saying he wanted them to use their slot machines. So I'm confused. Like, if he doesn't want a casino, why? Because he doesn't get the money? Is that why he... I'm sort of 
backtracking, trying to think of his main motivation. Is it just because he didn't get to have the casino and now he's throwing a temper tantrum? Or they're not giving, no one's giving him a piece of their cut. And Yeah, I'm trying to figure out this too, because like you brought up a good point. Like he's basically talking out of both sides of his mouth because he says to Rainwater that they want to be partners yeah. and, you know, at least slot machines. But meanwhile, he says to Beth... You know, they have political influence that they could stop a casino from being built at the gates of the Yellowstone. But you can't have both. Well, he wanted Jenkins to leave Rainwater and go in with him and do what? Like, what does he want from Jenkins? Unless the play is that like they pit the three of them, Rainwater, Jenkins and John against each other. And then they come in and they swoop in whatever like is left over. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I could think of. But like the, the land that Jenkins sold to rainwater is now federal not federal yeah. that's tribal land so it's exempt so that just leaves john's ranch left right. in play and what are they going to do with that like build a uh, build a casino a casino <laughs> next door to a casino like yeah like i live not that far from connecticut and like foxwoods and mohegan sun like literally down the road from each other these two big casinos Mm-hmm. And there's always like a, an exodus of people from New York to go there as opposed to going to like Atlantic City, which is almost equidistant, but you don't have to cross into New Jersey for it, <laughs> <laughs> which New York is trying to avoid New Jersey at many, many costs. I keep hearing this. Yeah. What's so bad about New Jersey? I don't know. Do you guys like Oklahoma? Uh, sure. Why not? OK, well, apparently I mean, some- we don't hate them. Uh, how about North Texas versus South Texas or East Texas versus oh, West Texas? Just the, the other guys, I yeah, guess, just right? just the other guys, right. Okay. Well, like New Jersey for me is just, it's like, New Jersey is fine. It's just getting anywhere in New Jersey is always just late with traffic. So it just leaves a bad taste in, in a lot of New Yorkers' mouth because it's hard to navigate around quickly. Isn't New York also that way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like if we're trying to go somewhere like on vacation and you have to oh. go like over the George Washington Bridge, you're like, okay, I'm not ready to add an hour onto my trip because of bridge oh, traffic. Gotcha. Yeah. So New Jersey just gets a bad rap for that. Oh, gotcha. I like the I like the Garden State personally. <laughs> what oh, were we talking God. about? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like the Beck's Endgame to me is still a mystery because yeah, because they're confused in their messaging right now. Because like, they're being very aggressive for someone who's just. And pissed. we haven't even gotten to talk about what they did. Right. Yes. They're just pissed they didn't get to play. Like this is. Really, guys, come on. The next level of temper tantrum. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. So, like, that's what I'm calling like, this one-upmanship. Like, so, you know, they, they stormed in on Jenkins and, you know, revoked his liquor license and, you know, toying with their dinner. Teal was toying with his dinner saying, well, you know, they've already recessed for the winter. So we might get something on the books for your hearing, like, in the spring. So, yeah. obviously, now you've essentially shuttered this man's business because... Yeah, he's that's all his money. Yeah, he's a resort, and like you heard his pocketbook, right? And you know who's going to go for a spa day and not be able to have you know a mimosa, and then rainwater, you know his his number one dealer that he showed, yeah, he showed the Bex this guy and said his name. They have him strangled, and his exotic hand is on display. Yeah. I just don't understand what they stand to gain other than maybe having the three of them turn on each other. I think that's I think that's ultimately their end game. And I don't think that plan that, you know, John said to Jenkins, like, I think the three of us need to meet. I don't think that was on the Beck's radar, even though that hasn't happened yet. Right. Um, 
I think now after what happens in this episode, they definitely meet to join forces um, because obviously there's a plan in place that now the Becks have shown their hand of how, how far they're willing to go. Yeah, so I just think that the Becks are not thinking that they're the three of them are going to uh, join forces and they just think that they're going to implode and maybe they just pick up the pieces. It's like Beth told John that, um, you know, Malcolm Beck just wants to be feared. That's his motivation that why he's so mad or retaliating, like, because they're not scared of him. It's like he just wants to be the bully and to be the one that's, like, calling the shots. He wants them to react and sort of do what he wants. And then when they're not, he's going to, like, take it to the next level of retaliation. Just crazy. Yeah. So, like, when, when Malcolm Beck comes to visit Beth in the office... What was his purpose here? Was his purpose in saying that, like, we're powerful? Yeah, it's like intimidation. Like, he just wanted her, like, them to say... But he didn't actually have a proposal for her. Right. He he was just saying, like, I don't understand why you guys don't exercise your political influence. The notion about this Dutton Power Company. Mm -hmm. Is that something that Beth had considered before, do you think? Because, I mean, her face was... She was good. Her, like, her poker face She was very good poker face. Yeah. I'm not sure that she considered that. I don't know. I don't I don't know if I'm being fair to her and saying that she did or didn't because she gave nothing away. Right. My take on it was that she hadn't thought of that or hadn't given that any thought. But like we've mentioned before with the Beck brothers, like he hasn't actually laid out what he wants from anybody. When he went to Jenkins the first time and work with me, like, and do what? And then same with... Rainwater, Like, he wasn't really saying what he wanted from them. And so this visit to Beth, he's not laying out a plan that he wants from her. She's just not going to be intimidated. Right. All he says is that we we don't want a casino. But meanwhile, you've already said you want to partner with both Rainwater and Jenkins. So She is so good at that poker face and not showing any reaction to his threats. She's also very good at belittling these men that come to intimidate her. Or at least they try to. It's so funny. Oh my gosh. Poetry. <laughs> it's She is fun to watch when she is making a man feel small. Not yeah. that I think that that's funny or like, but it's funny in a TV show. Yeah. It, like, in a, a not real world scenario. I was like, damn. Yes. Calling out of the size of a man's. Yeah. Anything. Is, uh, she is not to be intimidated. Right. She's not one that's easily going to roll over and play dead for sure. No. But now, so so Beth, so Beck went to go visit her and then she comes back and she relays the, the meeting to John. I'm trying to read her face. Was she scared when she's telling John that they're going to try to scare her? She almost looked a little bit sad. Yeah, there was something there, right? Yeah. You know, so while she does have this very good poker face, there are moments where she does let things, you know, show. But she was also staring at John's drink as well. So I was a little preoccupied at that as well. (laughs) So do you think she knew? I think she knew what was coming. I don't know if she knew the extent of it. No, but I think she knew that they were going to come after her, come to intimidate her or scare her or something. I don't think she knew that that's exactly what happened. But right. But before we go there, can we talk about Mm -hmm. her and Rip? Yes. What is this? Because she's been so hard on him, too, lately. And then they seem... Trying to think of the last interaction with them that we saw last time. I'm trying to remember, like, what was happening with them before this. Yeah, I mean, they've just been doing this weird dance. She apologized for, like, trying to... Yeah, making him jealous with Walker and stuff. Yeah. 
But now this was the complete opposite of, of that. This was loving. This was mm-hmm. intimate, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not really sure what the old Irish way is. And that, that means on a rooftop. I mean, like, I'm Irish and I'm trying to figure out. I mean, I, I know Irish exit. I know. <laughs> What's an Irish exit? Uh, an Irish exit was you just, like, jet out of a function. You say nothing to nobody. Oh, okay. Which is opposite of an Irish goodbye, which takes longer than the actual party. When you say goodbye to people, <laughs> it takes longer to leave than it does to actually like go through the event. That's funny. So, but the, the Irish, I don't know what that is. I thought she just meant like sneaking into the house, like climbing up. It's like shimming up the drain pipe or something. Yeah. But did you notice he has a flip phone? <laughs> he hangs up his flip phone when she calls him. <laughs> I was like, this is booty call ranch style, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Okay, well, but later in the episode, she texts him. Does he text on that flip phone? I guess so. He can. It's just the old alphanumeric where you have to press, you know, like A A A B B B to get to C, you know, or to capital. That's. I feel like he would still be in the B R B and B R B. Wait, we don't do that anymore. We don't say B R B because I do. But I mean, like you know, back when like texting was that alphanumeric stuff, it was you were definitely like the number four for four. Yeah, you know, you were definitely doing a lot more shorthand. So, um, but no, he can get texts. It's just he was calling her and you know, getting really. She called him. Well, she te- she texted him like office help, but he was trying to call her back, and she was not. I thought up. you meant when he when she called to get him on the roof. I'm sorry, oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, she called him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She called him, and he, yeah, but you know, that, that's she said booty call. So I thought you were talking about the roof. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that was the booty call. Yeah, know, ranch style, ranch style. Yeah, on the roof. Yeah. I guess. I don't know if I'm uh, connecting too many dots here, but does she soften up on Rip because she knows that something bad is coming? I almost think that maybe she was a little bit surprised by how upset she was that Rip sort of got demoted. That sort of started when she was being nice to him again and, and like apologizing to him. It's like, maybe she was surprised by that feeling of, wait, I actually care what happens to this guy. Because I think us seeing her apologize to him was probably a rare thing for her. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think she's ever strung the words, I'm sorry together much (laughs) in her life. Right. But then this conversation where she's asking, like, you know, what does he spend his money on? I was not expecting this whatsoever. Right. Me either. You know, I mean, it it starts off really funny and then it takes like a really dark turn. You know, she says, you've been wearing the same three pairs of jeans and a jacket mm-hmm. for like a decade. And, you know, Rip laughed. Who knew he had so many teeth? He smiled at Tate in this episode. He did, but you know, yeah. he definitely had the biggest laugh for Beth there. Mm-hmm. But so, what does this say about him that he spent fifty? He spent sixty thousand dollars on headstones and grave diggers. How much? I thought he said twenty-two for the mom. Twenty-two thousand on his mom. Thirty thousand on his brother. Right. So that's fifty-two, and he spent five thousand uh-huh. on a grave digger. So what? Fifty-seven. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. Okay, but. I feel sort of sad or bad to say that it was a little bit creepy, but it's also sweet, right? Of him. I feel like he's just, I feel like it's just guilt. Maybe it's like survivor's guilt because he didn't die. Yeah. Something. His father. Um, Something was like sad and weird about it, other than being like, oh, he was like taking care of his 
Yeah, I feel like it's because he wasn't able to save his mother and brother in life that he's trying mm-hmm. to honor them in death. And then the scattering of like bones is just like in no culture is that mm-hmm. like where the, the, the deceased is going to rest easy. But to, to drive all the way up to North Dakota, throwing the bones out the window along the way, I'm just like, oh, my God. Ugh. Like, that paints a very dark picture of you, my friend, Rick Wheeler. That's, yeah. I don't really want to think about the actual logistics of that, but think about it. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, you stop along the side of the road to, like, maybe check, like, a noise in your tire and you see, like, an arm bone. <laughs> well, I'm thinking of he has a corpse in his car that he's digging around, <laughs> like, reaching in the back seat and pulling, oh, here's a rib. Like, I'm creeped out. That's disgusting. <laughs> I don't. Or did he take them all apart and put them in a box in the passenger? Like, I don't want to think about these things. <laughs> you don't want that flashback. That is that we. I don't to say? want to think about it. <laughs> but I have to. Like, I have to. When these things happen in shows, I'm like, logistically, that's not practical or whatever. Because that's where my head goes. And so when he's saying he dug up his bones, I'm like, logistically, that's pretty creepy, dude, and disgusting, and I'm not okay with it, and I don't want to think about it. (laughs) What did you think about what Beth says to him, where she says that you could walk past one person, you know, who's in the clouds, and the next to to somebody who's enduring internal damnation, and God is the land? Mm -hmm. What did you think about that? I think it's true. I like what she said about you know, sort of not knowing what people around you are, where they're at. I didn't really know what she meant about God as the land, though. I feel like she's trying to say that, like, God is neutral, you know, in this. It's just, it's about people and how they're reacting to things. And and I also feel like it's her own little foreshadowing of what's coming, is that she's she's got both right now. She's, like, got, she's living in the clouds with, with Rip up on the roof. But at the same time, like, when she's not there, she is feeling... You know, all the things that she's feeling, she's conflicted. She's obviously having many mental breakdowns yeah. and, and whatnot. And like the the land is just there. Like, so like God is just there. And I feel like it's her way of saying that, like, we have free will and that God is out of it for us. Hmm. It just stuck with me. I was just like, oh, what does that mean? But then like Rip just looks at her like in awe and in total love. And she's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say it. Don't say it until it saves her. Yeah, which is very ominous sounding. I mean, it sounds very beautiful, but at the same time, it's very ominous because literally the next scene. Yes. <laughs> All right, we ready? Ready to talk about it? I guess. Is there anything else? If we have to. If we, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. If we do have to. So this whole whole episode was leading to. So thanks for <sighs> like letting us string you along to this point. <laughs> right. We just couldn't talk about it up front. It's too. Yeah, we had to wait. Terrible. Up to it. Did we think that these two guys were from anyone other than the Becks? No. No. Okay. That was easy. Definitely not. Yeah. Okay. That that was hurdle number one. Yeah. Wow. Were they there to kill her? I don't think so. I don't either. I feel it got out of hand when she stabbed, I, I call him goon number two. <laughs> goon number one is the one who kind of like stays upright and, and continues yeah. to beat her. So goon number two, like she, she stabs him and, you know, he's, he's obviously not doing well. She had, it was a letter opener. So, you yeah. Know, and she stabs him multiple times in the neck, which is, you know, not a good spot. There's lots of important things right there. Yeah. Um, carotid arteries and, and you know, your spine and God. vocal cords. Sheila. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to get through this. Okay. <laughs> like muscle. <and> shit. <laughs> All right. I'll stop. I'll stop. Uh, 
I felt like he would have bled out a lot faster than he did, though. But yeah, I, whatever. I, I don't know how much she was able to penetrate because I don't know, like you know, how like with uh, armor, uh, armor and stuff. That, well, you know, like the armor and stuff that they, you know, did they have anything on? Because I mean, they were pretty well situated, like in their gear and stuff. That's true. They did have a lot of equipment for roughing up a chick. Like, what were they gonna do? Yeah, so I think it was just meant to scare her. Like they were gonna beat her up a bit, and I think it just escalated. This is this is my take on. It. I think it escalated because she was so like defiant. Yeah, she hit on a lot of like macho nerves. I feel mm-hmm. like in, in Goo Number One, and I feel like Jason, her assistant, really kind of took the brunt of it. Like, like I think he was expendable in their minds all along. Oh yeah, like he was the, the. I think that was it. I think that that was supposed to be the message, but then it just it got out of hand because like goon number two was stabbed. It just wasn't going to plan. That's what I think. Yeah, I do too. I have a question, and I'm not sure if it's completely relevant or not. But do you think she is she raped there at all? I didn't think so. I didn't think so either. But I just went looking for some like you know mm-hmm. commentary, and there was a lot of like back and forth. Like I'm like yeah, she was the- wearing like pantyhose and stuff like that because you could see the the rip in her pantyhose well yeah the facebook group i saw they had a lot to say about that and they're arguing over whether she was raped or not but in that actual scene where he puts her on the table she says to do it like go ahead and he pulls the gun out so he didn't pull he didn't pull anything else out he pulled his gun out and then that's when rip came in so i mean i don't think she was actually raped Okay. I don't either. Um, yeah. but I just wanted to see like what your take was on it. Cause like I said, I went looking and there was a lot of like definitive. Yes, I think so. But not a lot of like, Oh no, she wasn't. But I'm like, no, I don't think she was because she also gives John like a non-answer when he asks, like, did they do anything else to you? And she's just like, I just want to go with him. Like, why didn't she answer that? Right. So there's some debate. But. Yes, there is some. Debate. It's left open, like to interpretations. Really, I think what yes. it comes down to. But I don't think so. And you know, I like you. I did watch this one like three times as well. I just watched it the first time just to remember all of it. So because, did I. Yeah. And then I watched it again to kind of just start digging into it. And then the third time was with notes. Yeah, <laughs> same. I did the same. It's like too much to take in. I was like, I just sat there and watched it the first time and just was like, oh my gosh. And I was like, God, they did a lot in this episode. They did. But Rip, when Rip comes in, like, this was, like, the cavalry rushing in. I, I like, not cheered. That's not the right But I was excited no. when he came. Like, he threw the chair through the window. And, like, dude gets shot and keeps coming. Like, he's, like, the goddamn right? Incredible Hulk. <laughs> no, he was shot, like, three times or something. At least twice. Yeah, and keeps coming. Did you notice who the doctor was? Yeah. Okay, you did. Yeah. <laughs> this poor guy has, he probably hates these Duttons because he's he, like, man, you guys. <laughs> well, like back in season one, he was the attending when Monica was in the hospital. Yeah. For, and then that's when Casey ends up punching like the, the tech. Yeah. That like, comes when, when Tate's having the meltdown and he was just like, you need to get out of here. And then he's also <laughs> the one who's like lecturing John about, you know, you could have taken an antacid and not ended up in major surgery. He's a very talented doctor. He can do it all. But that he is the one that John calls for, for assistance. Well, because this doctor, whoever he called, sees, you know, dead bodies laying around. So he's got to be trustworthy enough to keep his mouth zipped keep his mouth shut with the Duttons, so yeah. I guess this is the one and only dude yeah. um, that he could call. Um, but now, like, Beth, like, obviously Rip is shot, so he's gonna be, um, you know, in, in higher precedence, but, like, 
Beth has had like everything kicked out of her. Yeah, they were like, why was she like, I guess I'll go with him. I'm thinking she needs just as much medical She's attention. She's going to need like stitches. There should be a CAT scan to make sure there isn't like brain bleeds. Ribs that are puncturing yeah, lungs. Yeah, because, you know, she was kicked. She was beaten with a gun. I mean, ugh. yeah, that was so violent. It was so brutal. I mean, it was only what, like five minutes or so. But it was, it was, I mean, Jason was brutally beaten before he was just shot on site. I kind of didn't expect him to be, like, executed. Do you know what I mean? I, I See, I thought in the beginning, like, when they walked in, that they were just going to, like, walk in, terrorize her a little bit, and then shoot him. I thought they would maybe shoot him as they walked in. Yeah. Because the way they sort of came at, came in. Right. But to have him, like, down on his knees, sort like of... whimpering. Yeah. Yeah. That was really awful. Yeah, this was a really hard scene to watch but also just in like terms of like now backing it up to to what is the beck's objective so this is where like i guess my criticism of the season is that like they've introduced the becks they've had this contradicting sort of drive like Mm -hmm. they want a partner they want to stop the casino they want to partner with the duttons they want they you know they want a lot of different things but they haven't shown us anything else about them. Like, so what right. is their actual, like, you know, behind the closed doors, they are plotting and prodding of what they're they're going to do. But, like, the body count is racking up. Right. And I just keep calling it this game of one-upmanship with the Becks. Is, so they want to partner with John, then they kill the cattle. Then they want to partner with Jenkins, and then they, you know, wrecked his life. And they want to partner with Rainwater, and now they killed his dealer. But so, like, the Duttons, now they've hit twice. Yeah. Right? So are they aiming at the ranch? And what do they stand to gain from it? Like, these are the questions that I have that I'm just like, Taylor Sheridan, get it together. It's seven episodes in. (laughs) I need need, answers. I need it. If nobody else, I need answers. But then, like, the bodies are the return to sender thing. All right. What was your your take on that? Uh, That was really graphic. But then I thought to myself... really smart of Casey to sort of dump this problem off on back to the Becks. Like now he has to somehow get rid of two dead bodies. So that was sort of a good way to retaliate back in this. It's like in that moment. I don't know. You could have just dumped them on the porch. You didn't have to hang them up naked. Oh, I think they did in order to be like, you tried and you failed. Right. I mean, that's, yeah, that's another message. Like dumping them back on the porch would have been like, hey, (laughs) we still, we're still here. But I mean, stripping them down and hanging them up, that's the extra step. (laughs) I feel like that was a position of strength on Casey's part and the Dutton's part that you tried, you failed. You know, message received, your intent did not work. I just feel like this is just going to get so much worse because now the Becks have been scorned twice now, three times really, by these yeah. Duttons, right? Um, because, you know, I'm going to count hit the John rebuff early on. And then when he went to go see Beth and she said, you know, challenge accepted um, yeah. on your nonsense. And now the return to sender. So this is three strikes that the Duttons have, you know, lobbed over at these Becks. And I just feel like they're just going to like go for broke now. In, yeah. uh, in terms of, you know, trying to get whatever it is that they're after. I mean, no doubt that they're they're nasty and they're resourceful, but I just need to know what their end game is because now it's just like, okay, you're just racking up a body count and I just, I, I need to know your plot. Yeah, for what? <laughs> like, what's the, 
Like, what's yeah. your end game? I mean, I get that you're you're after all this, but but for what? But for what? But for what? But geez, uh, oh gosh, three episodes left. Yeah, three. Yeah, this is seven, right? Of ten, we're kind of down, Beth and Rip. Though I mean, they're not out, but I'm just saying, like, whatever's happening next, don't yeah. know that they're going to be hanging around. <laughs> My- well, I just I, I think that Beth out of all of them is going to come back maybe not necessarily swinging directly yeah. from herself but I feel like this is a woke and a beast in John that like you do not go after my little girl yeah you know like daddies and their girls are very protective and I just feel like it's very different like Casey's able to fend for himself a lot and Jamie's well, whatever whatever Jamie is but like <laughs> Beth is like a special creature to John yeah and yeah so it's just and I feel like Rip is going to <laughs> go go for blood literally Mm, um yeah you know he's just that he's going to be an animated part of whatever the retaliation is going to be but just how ominous did it sound when you know casey was like so what are we going to do with these becks and john's answer was we're going to kill him so i'm excited i I believe him i'm excited i'm excited (laughs) to see that (laughs) i know how weird that sounds right i'm excited to see how they do this excited to see what's going to happen well, because they've been very resourceful to this point. So, and now, mm-hmm. like, these people have taken down the guard and they're definitely aiming all the guns at the Duttons. This is getting out of hand. This is getting out of hand. But please, I just need to know why are they doing this? Just tell me why. Right. What's their motivation? Yeah, I would like a little bit more scenes between just the Beck brothers and their conversation. Right. You know, because we get Rainwater talking to Ben and to Mo. And we get John talking to his crew, but we don't get their inside information right. of what they're up to. So so I need a little bit more on that. And I'm hoping yeah. that that gets fleshed out a little bit more. So This was a lot. <laughs> this was a lot. So I'm hoping that I don't have to watch the next one three times. Three times. 48 minutes out of my life that I'm <laughs> times three. <laughs> I know. Oh, but this, this one needed it. It needed like the time to kind of marinate again. And it's a lot to take in. Just the scene with Beth. It was the first time watching that. It's just horrible. <laughs> then you have to like watch it again to like take notes. I'm like, oh my gosh. She was so defiant. She was so turn the other cheek, I guess. I mean, she was just give it to me more. I was like, damn, girl. Yeah. But I mean, she was also trying to make it so that whatever they were doing, like if they were professional professionals, they would have like come in, done what they needed to do and gotten out. There would not have yeah. been this lingering. So I feel like she was exploiting their hesitancy. Yeah. Right. So she was trying to get them to be like, dude, you know, I don't know if this is such a good idea. Like, you know, we're going to get caught. She can idea us, you know, um, you've got all these stab wounds, right. You know, so like, if they were true, true professionals, like hitmen or like paramilitary or whatever they claim to be, I feel like they would have done what they needed to done. Like, oh, wow. That was really hard. <laughs> they would have done what they needed to do like expeditiously like in out done and yeah. like nobody hears our voices nobody gets a chance to say that there's identifying marks like there's maybe yeah. four stab wounds and in, in said you know goon number two's neck um yeah but i feel like beth was exploiting their hesitancy well she got him emotionally involved yeah in messing with her like trying to make her scared trying to make her react but, I she mean, just went, kudos to her. Like, that is a, a tough position to sell that, you know, you've got this gosh. beating that has happened and now potential rape involved and potential death involved and you're still not going to give an ounce. 
She's tough. Damn, she is a tough lady. Like, yeah. like she, yeah, she's like a tough lady. And like, you know, she's been tough before, but we just need to give her like amazing kudo credits to be able to withstand this episode. Where do we go from here? Let's do some like I, predictions. My gosh, I can't even imagine what's happening next with these Beck brothers. I mean, I feel like we're going to first see something from John, right? I mean, is he going to strike first? I think he's going to regroup. I think he's going to get Rip and he's going to get Casey. And there might even be the um, the Wranglers because, okay, so before I know we're running like long on time, but now, so I'm interested to get your take. So when John and Casey go to the office with the doctor, they bring mm-hmm. Lloyd. Yeah. They bring Jimmy. That's what I was trying to see. I was trying to see who all was there. And Ryan. So okay. Ryan doesn't have the brand, but he has the Livestock Association. Yeah. Jimmy has the brand. Lloyd has Why the brand. Why is Ryan there then? Yeah. That doesn't make sense. I was like, hmm. I was like, okay. Like, is Ryan almost as trusted, like, to earn the brand, but just doesn't have the criminality aspect to warrant the brand, right? Because it's all, like, rehabbed criminals, right? That yeah. get the brand. So, like, but I feel like Ryan being part of the Livestock Association warrants him into the inner circle. No, I don't think so. Not with the Duttons. Not yet. But yeah, I mean, he is in sort of all of these scenarios where John needs his inner circle. Ryan seems to be there. But the fact that he doesn't have the brand would make me think he shouldn't. Right. Because now he still technically has free will to leave if he ever wants to. But now he also knows a little too much. Yeah. Whereas Walker had the brand and grew a conscience. (laughs) And, you know, there are consequences for him there, too. Yeah. Um, it was just an interesting scene to, because I was like, hmm, why is Brian there? He seems to be there when they need their crew. Right. And then it's like, well, how yeah. is he going to say anything to Colby, who's obviously right. his buddy? And like, how is he going to account for being missing for like four hours in the middle of the night? Right. Hmm. So Interesting. But yeah, so I think John regroups and I think that there's going to be some Beck retaliation as well. Like, I don't feel that they're done with their attacks only because like now their their military dudes were brought back to them, right? Yeah. So, but I feel like John's going to have the meeting with Rainwater and Jenkins. Like, I feel like that needs to happen because now they've all Hmm. personally been affected. And obviously, John's is the worst. And John just also, I think, has more resources to carry out whatever the plan would be. Yeah, that's true. And I think he would want to do it just for a pride stake. Yeah, this is personal now. It's not just business. Right. (sighs) Yeah. It's not just about cows. No, no. And it's not just about land anymore. Now you've tried to damage my family. This is next level. Yes. So they've only got three hours left to to wrap all that up. So I'm excited for it. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Well, I'll meet you back here next week then. Sounds like a plan. (laughs) So this is Steph. And this is Sheila. Thank you for listening. And before you go, if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you got this podcast from to rate, review, and subscribe. So this way you get a notification every time we drop a new episode. And if you could also give us a rating of five stars, that would be fantastically appreciated. And it's also a really great way for others to find the show and get as much enjoyment out of it as you do. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. 
Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.